episode of Radio Survivor, we take you to the antenna raising of a new low-power FM radio station. I am so excited right now. Oh my god. There's no going back, Jess. I know, I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> it's really happening. Welcome to Radio Survivor, a program about community radio and college radio and low-power FM radio and pirate radio and even commercial radio when it serves communities. My name is Eric Klein. I'm one of your hosts, producers of the program. And I'm Paul Riesmanel. I'm uh, the other host and producer. How'd I do that time spitting out the tagline, Paul? You did pretty well. You know, we've got some taglines. I oh. I, we've got a few submitted. So let's make it a point next week. We're going to review the taglines that are submitted. So oh, let's give it goody. one more week. <laughs> uh, so folks, if you want to you suggest a tagline, tweet us, or you can send us an email, podcast at radiosurvivor.com. Uh, tweet. Uh, you can add us and just uh, hashtag Radio Survivor tagline or just tagline. A hashtag tagline. Tell us, uh, it, it, we want to be able to do it in one breath. So, and of course, if you're tweeting us, it has to be under 140 characters. Um, what is our tagline? What, yeah, what is our show about? How do we describe this show? But we've received a bunch, and so I don't want anyone to think that we've been ignoring them. It's about uh, radio we like. Yeah. But that's but not good. We need that's to define not specific. it. Yeah, yeah. So, so, you know, sort of like Boing Boing has a great one. It's like a catalog of wonderful things. Right. I wonder how long that took them to come up with. I mean, they came up with it, I think, when it was a print when zine, it was a zine 20 years ago. Yeah. So anyway, uh, let us know what it should be. Well, so, uh, hey, Paul, today I am so excited because I'm going to play for you and the listeners, um, oh, a whole lot of uh, tape that I recorded. It was tape, right? Up on the roof in North Portland at the raising of an antenna of the tower of uh, Portland's brand new freeform low power FM station, which coincidentally is on the air for the first time uh, today. They're, they they have uh, flipped the switch. Today, April 1, April Fool's Day is when we're recording. But it's but no fooling. No fooling. That's wonderful. Yeah. Uh, Congratulations to the to the people of Freeform Portland. I'm so excited for you. Can't wait to to tune it in. I haven't even had a chance to listen to your radios yet, but I was there uh, when they raised the antenna uh, earlier this month, and I'm so excited to bring uh, the voices of some of those founding uh, volunteer workers uh, because it's it's about a lot of a lot of the themes. That, that we have discussed on Radio Survivor in these past 40 episodes of the, of the program uh, popped up organically in conversations with these founders of this new low-power FM station in Portland. So I'm very excited to, to bring you those voices uh, coming up in a moment. And actually here, I'm just going to tease a little bit of it before we, before we introduce the rest of the program because one of the surprises on the roof there at this low-power FM antenna raising was that uh, these people were inspired by their college radio days, and uh, namely, um, just a whole bunch of the people who were at a part of this new station um, cut their teeth at KDVS, the UC uh, University of California at Davis College Station. Apparently, was an incubator for love of radio, and um, here's here's a, a little bit of audio of of one of today's interviews. I would really follow up specifically with KDVS because um, there's oh, there's yeah. something magical that happened there. I mean, it's you don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure out that if there's two new stations going up on low power FM in Portland, and two of the graduates are from University of California Davis, then that's uh, that's not a coincidence. That's an amazing radio program. Yeah, let's. Are you talking about KDVS? Yeah, totally. Did you see my tattoo? No. Oh. You got one? I got one. What? And it's oh actually KDVS's turntable head. Oh, yeah. So that was that was uh, the board president of Freeform Portland showing uh, Jeffrey Simmons, a uh, friend of Radio Survivor, her new uh, college radio-inspired tattoo up there on the roof in North Portland. So I'm looking forward to sharing the rest of those interviews uh, with the listeners today and with you, Paul, because you haven't even heard them yet. Yes, I'm really excited. Uh, community radio, great radio. It's catching. It is viral. Um, but first, I want to do a little bit of follow-up. We got a uh, great uh, comment from a listener. His name is Rob Heckman, and uh, he is a college radio alum. 
We've been uh, we've been real focused on college radio in the last uh, few episodes. Well, because which has been real fun. It plants all these seeds. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's really what it is. It plants these seeds for for people to do great community radio, but also to do uh, maybe continuing to do college radio of a sort. Often. Co- uh, commercial radio and, and to do all these great things around creativity and sound, I think. An incubator. It's a real incubator. Uh, and he is an alum of WCUR at Westchester University in Westchester, Pennsylvania. He says, quote, I did carry your current college radio at Westchester University in Westchester, Pennsylvania. I also went on to a long career in commercial radio, both AM and FM. I enjoy college radio. Living in Baltimore now, I have no college radio to listen to on the FM dial. All the college stations are public radio now and have been so for many years. So he, what he means is they're they're like NPR affiliates, basically. And they're not so. doing the sort of uh, experimental, I guess, or more free yeah. form. He says, uh, the station at Towson University in Maryland, WTMD, was the last to go public over 20 years ago. Listening to the podcast this week, I thought the guest was rough on college radio. He's talking about Ken Mills, who uh, wrote that post on his blog that college radio was too small for its own good. Yes. Uh, No ratings. Are you kidding me? College radio is not about ratings. He said it's too small. I don't agree with that at all. It's thinking like this that gets college radio stations sold off by the colleges. I agree that fundraising can be difficult if there's no solid system in place. Maybe college radio stations could do small NTR events throughout the school year, just like commercial radio stations do. At the events, they can encourage people to sign up to support the station and on their mobile devices. I enjoy your website and podcast, College Radio Forever. Rob Heckman, WCUR, class of 86. Thanks, Rob. We really appreciate the comments. And, you know, and in, uh, we, you know you've mentioned many times, Eric, that, we, that Jennifer and I have done these sort of like almost clinics on helping your college radio stations uh, not just survive but thrive. Yeah, it was something that came up sort of impromptu when we were discussing another station that had um, uh, been, been forced through a difficult transition. And, and I was wondering, well, why did this happen and what kind of college station – uh, and the people who love a college station uh, do to prepare for this sort of thing because it was happening more than once. Yeah. And and one of the things I have to agree completely with Rob is that doing events both on campus and off campus and being visible in your community drives home this idea that the people who are on your station are part of the community. They're not piped in from another market. They're not, you know, they're not deigning to to visit the, your community once every five years on some kind of promotional tour. That they are part of the community, and that kind of personal one on one contact is something which college radio and community radio can excel at. Because often there are so many volunteers, there's so many people there, and. And they really are knit into the community. And it isn't to say that, that that the local DJ at a commercial radio station isn't. And those kind of personal appearances are also really, really important. Unfortunately, at fewer and fewer stations have those folks <laughs> who are there, you know. But the personal appearances are the bread and butter of, of many commercial radio stations still. And, it, and it's because it's important. It's important to be seen. It's important to be out there and to demonstrate, hey – we, 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 we aren't up in some, uh, in some uh, isolated ivory radio tower. We're folks just like you living in this community, and I think that that is great advice. So thank you so much, Rob, for writing into us and, and giving us permission to read your comments on the podcast. If you have any comments about anything we're talking about, we'd love to hear from you. Email us, podcast at radiosurvivor.com. Great. Well, so here we are, and I was going to uh, – Share all this experience that I had when I um, – how many times can I mention that I climbed up on a roof? I think it might have helped that uh, it really felt like the last – like winter ended the day before uh, Freeform Portland raised their antenna. It was a sunny day in Portland. Portland's Portland's well-known around the world for, for its clouds and its rain. And uh, it would have been very interesting if this work had to be accomplished by this uh, small army. About about two dozen volunteers for Freeform Portland showed up. Uh, one of the things that they had to do was build an antenna. Uh, they also had to carry the antenna up to the first floor roof in North Portland. And it was quite nice, as, along with uh, a bunch of cinder blocks. So it was quite nice that the sun was shining that day. So to set the scene... So I, I think, can you tell us, like, like the antenna itself? Like, about how big is this thing? Right. Uh, I'm going to say 30 feet. 
and I could be wrong. That sounds about right. Yeah. So, so right, and so uh, it's sort of an it has multiple elements to it, right? So it's not like on the one hand, it doesn't look like a TV aerial, no. right? Because I think people have to. And, and on the other hand, it's not um, like you know for a hundred thousand watt FM station, it's not this enormous tower. In fact, they're sighting it on a on a relatively small. Not even I don't know if you would call it a tower, uh, you know. It was a small tower. Yeah, I, yeah. small tower <laughs> on on top of a of a was it like a three four story building? Just a one story building. Oh, really? In Portland, yeah, which might have been less than perfect yeah. for their purposes, but also uh, might have been the best that they could accomplish. Well, low low power FM is is actually height limited okay. by, by, by the FCC. Again, the idea is that these stations are not supposed, are, are supposed to be only so big. And so uh, with FM, the higher you go up, the further your signal will go yeah. because it's line of sight. See, this is, this is why I wished you were there. And I wrote this in my notes. I wish Paul was there. Because uh, we're about to hear from, uh, the first thing we're going to hear before we get into the interviews with the founders is we're going to hear a little bit of the sound of the antenna being being worked on and then a little bit of uh, uh, brief uh, comments by Dave Fulton, who was working at the head of this group of volunteers. Dave is a, is a radio engineer, a very experienced person. I think it might be impossible for him to, to name and to count all of the radio antennas that he has uh, erected in his days. Uh, even in Portland, he's, he's helped erect quite a few uh, radio stations. And um, if you had been there to ask Dave all of the questions that I wanted to ask on your behalf... Uh, we would have had a lot more technical information at our disposal now for the uh, podcast. But but take a listen to Dave. What are you guys doing here? We are assembling the antenna to its mount, and then the mount is going to go on the tower there. So, and they have to be spaced by a certain amount of uh, space, usually a half wavelength, and. Um, yeah, that's what we're doing. Dave, I'm going to let you Wish I was more flathead there. Boring. I'm finding a bunch of cross points. Phillips is all I see. Classic. And when they manufactured the antenna, they just drew lines. Kind of like a coloring book. They fully expect, we bought this as a kit from SCMS, and they fully expect um, uh, newbies to be uh, putting this together. Huh. So anybody can do this. All right. Well, let's stick them all on there and see how it snugs up. So you're not newbies? Well, uh, I wouldn't say that I am. Uh, I, I'm a director of engineering for a, a number of radio stations and TV stations, so I come with a little bit of experience. I know enough to be dangerous. <laughs> Need to be tighter? The cool thing about LPFMs is that everybody can do it. It's, it's nothing is dangerous. Um, why don't I get the nut driver? Yeah, I mean, well, it means nothing is dangerous. Meaning you're dealing with a hundred watts of power, uh, so you still don't really, really want to go and and hold on to a, an antenna putting out a hundred watts of power. But by being near it, you're you're unlikely to to be hurt. Whereas an uh, an antenna putting out a hundred thousand watts of power can can actually burn you. They're called RF burns. Okay. So you actually you need to power down, or even seven thousand watts of power. Uh, but a hundred watts, yeah, there's you know. The worst thing that's probably going to happen is you might short out the transmitter and blow its uh, transistors, but again, unlikely to uh, be like enormous explosions so much just like a television uh, shorting out. So, yes, uh, it's great that they have help, but it, it is a great thing, right? Is that really, you, I mean, with, a, with just a little bit of schooling and a little bit of caution and bringing in somebody who maybe is uh, comfortable with tools or comfortable working a little bit with electricity, you can put a low power FM station on the air though. It's great that Freeform Portland has an experienced engineer. That's yeah. always, that's always a nice and, thing to have. But he was working closely with some other volunteers, uh, other radio folks that, um, had never done this hands-on work before. And they all seemed, uh, 
uh, relatively comfortable and happy wielding their tools and their and their new expertise with Dave with Dave making sure that they didn't blow it. What a wonderful learning opportunity! And again, I think that's that's another aspect of low power FM. Right? Is an opportunity for people who would not otherwise have an opportunity to, to become broadcasters or to learn these other aspects of broadcasting. Um, I think the more people who who know these things and can help out and lend a hand, uh, the better. This is the antenna. This is the actual antenna. There's two bays. One on the top, one in the bottom, and like I said before, separated by a half wavelength. What does that mean? Uh, the frequency that we're transmitting at, you know, it's measured... Uh, well, in this case, it's measured in inches. We are, whatever the half wavelength of an entire cycle of, of what is it, 90.3? Or half of that. So. In this case, it's uh, 107 inches that you have to separate these by, which is about the length of one of those uh, sections there. You really want this stuff? <laughs> yes. I, I, I love radio. I've never yep. thought about physical radio. Have I met you before? Probably. Uh... So I, I left that part in because it turns out that Dave and I had met each other before, and uh, that's another thing I love about community radio is that um, here in Portland, I am now a member of a community. I don't, uh, I, don't, I don't spend all of my days at a particular station like I used to at the beginning of my radio life, but yet I keep making new radio friends. Uh, Dave and I met at uh, X-Ray around the founding of that station two years ago. Another community radio station here in uh, Portland, which went on the air just ahead of the low-power FM opportunity, but it was able to acquire the... F- former college station from Reed College, which is a 10-watt station. They no longer license those any longer, a so-called Class D station. Um, Reed College decided at that point uh, to get rid of it, and uh, it was able to go into the hands of community broadcasters, which is a wonderful thing, and who put X-Ray on the air. Uh, just, just a little bit ahead of the opportunity to have low-power FM, but that just means more community radio here in yeah, Portland. And a lot of the same uh, people, both that I met uh, there at this antenna raising as well as uh, in my days here in Portland have it's there's a lot of cross pollination you know uh, Jeffrey Simmons who we're going to hear from next um, had a had a hand in a lot of these pies uh, it's so uh, listeners might know uh, Jeff from uh, episode 23 of our podcast we you you uh, forced Jeffrey to talk about one of his expertise in radio which is the social media um, he actually, that's, uh, his official title at Freeform Portland is he is, uh, head of socials is what, uh, Jess Poneman, the, the chair of, of Freeform Portland told me. And, uh, Jeff, uh, God bless him was a little bit, uh, uh, I, I caught him at a, at a less than opportune moment there in the sunshine. He had just, uh, carried, uh, probably thousands of pounds of cinder blocks up a ladder when, uh, when I started the interview. I just lifted all these cinder blocks from the ground up a ladder. I got, I worked up my right arm really hard. So yeah, I'm excited to bring this interview, uh, to you because what happens next is a, is we I learn about how uh, Freeform Portland's uh, founders all uh, uh, were 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 energized and also uh, gained their experience both through college radio as well as pirate radio, which was a surprise to me. So now we'll hear uh, more from Jeffrey Simmons, a creative director at Freeform Portland. I, I started by asking him what what led up to this moment of the antenna raising uh, for this new station. Well, our Dave Fulton, our head engineer who uh, also put together X-Ray locally and works with OPB locally. Uh, he also works on the East Coast on stations. He's a, he's a pro, so he's been working with um, our board president, Jessica Poneman, for um, a number of months, and they were finally able to, to secure this location with some really uh, friendly folks up here at Bank Sales Northwest uh, in the Alberta Arts District, and they have this flat roof that it sounds like, against their better judgment, a couple generations of having to... They had to just replace this whole roof recently, which a, a flat roof in Portland is um, sort of a stupid idea. Yeah, I One see the, some puddles right the over The owner there. was telling me it's sort of just... It didn't even... They just redid the whole roof and it still leaks. But um, 
Yeah, despite how tenuous of a roof <laughs> antenna erecting uh, that sounds as far as the story of uh, putting a, an antenna that's not bolted into a roof that leaks. Um, seems, like a, seems like a pretty sound idea. Seems like it's going to work out. We're definitely not the first person to do it. Dave's done a bunch of these, so he, uh, he came up with the engineering plan and, and was able to source all the materials we needed. And um, I guess in, in theory, it's a pretty standard setup, I guess. Um, but yeah, a lot of lead up just to try to get some of these LPFM antennas on the air, um, which, is, which is super exciting because I think it's happening all over the country right now. Why this radio station? Why does Portland need this low-power FM station? Why another one? Well, I think it's a great question for Jest as well. Um, but the, uh, the the station, we need it because um, because Portland never had a, a, a full-power college radio station, which in most towns, to go back to your other question, becomes the station that's playing um, the music of the youth, the music that's outside of commercialism, the music that that is, you know, gives people's life meaning, period. And in most markets, um, there's two or three of those those college-type stations on the air, so the, the probability of you just hearing good music that people like listening to is really high. And since no one ever did that in Portland, um, we only have KBU, as a freeform station that's running out without automation in our market period. And they're a huge full power up and down the, uh, the valley. But, um, with the addition of X-ray, you know, helped has definitely helped keep progressive talk on the air and bring progressive talk back as well as more freeform, uh, music and culture. But without ever having a college station, you know, I, I think there's still room for even another one. Um, on top of Freeform Portland, so it's a it's a uphill battle. It's a lot of work to to show people that that there's this other music that they don't even know about. But um, but as record collectors and and music geeks, that's sort of a lot of our mission is to show people that there really is all this other music, and you don't have to be afraid of your record store clerk. And um, there's all sorts of other music outside of what's charting on Clear Channel, right? Yeah, not to mention local local bands. I think it's an amazing, amazing group of people and a lot of amazing energy that's um, come together around the idea of keeping keeping it like it used to be in college. Um, with these low power licenses, the stakes in theory are a lot lower as the capital is involved in putting it together. So I think um, what a what a, a larger radio station would consider a huge risk um, in in just allowing interesting people to play whatever records they want um, is sort of not really that big of a risk to us. In fact, it's what we want. So um, Jess and Todd Urich, who used to make radio down at KDVS, um, as well as a bunch of other people from KDVS has sort of become a a real nexus of energy and of uh, uh, an outgrowth that KDVS is sort of the, the core of a, a, a bunch of people that um, are really making a lot of changes in their communities now, which is really cool to see. And it speaks a lot for the university, I would say, because... Oh, is that, that's College Radio Davis? UC you got Davis? it. You got it. Ah, and and uh, one of the... My, my buddy who taught me who taught me to write for radio yeah. uh, came out of Davis. It's a, it's a super strong... It's a super strong school for radio. Uh, Liz oh, Berg, who's the assistant at uh, WFMU, graduated from Davis too. Um, Jenny Logan, who's the board president at X-Ray, graduated from Davis too. Oh, how funny! Um, it's it's pretty interesting when you connect all the dots of how many people so, were KDVS so some, alum. Who who is KDVS here at Freeform? Um, Jessica is uh, her husband, and um, I think that's the main okay. people. You'd have to ask her though. Of course. If there's any more involved, she would know for sure. But but Todd, our, um, one of our founders, who originally uh, helped put together the, the ap- license applications the con- for the construction permits and all that we were granted, 
um, are all KDVS alum. How interesting. Todd used to be a station manager back in the day, so I think he was very influential in uh, getting people revved up on on Freeform Radio in general. So when you say college radio, uh, I've learned recently that it's really important to define what it is that you're yeah that, you're past, that you love about it especially in 2016 it could be so many different things it's like saying uh it's like saying community radio like what does it mean right so when but but you had a specific idea in mind so that's what well I yeah yeah i think it's it's just it's evolved a lot i think the uh what you would think of as college radio in the 90s are sort of the underpinnings and the the foundation of what would become independent music in general uh and t- today uh just just from college charts and you think of signature bands like REM that came out of college radio um, but uh, but today it's I think for me anyway it stands more for the last bastion of freeform radio where um, most people still coming out of college that are bit with the radio bug are bit with it because they're I, I think generally dumbfounded by the fact that like on a, a university establishment would let them sit down and do whatever they want. Right. I think what's important point there, you know, in this is that, you know, Jeff sort of talks about how uh, college radio is this place where people can sort of play what they want. When it's a free form college station. Free form college station. Right. And, and, and part of that is introducing people to new artists and new art forms. And this is sort of a constant, I think, necessity not just in radio, but in culture at large. You know, if there is not an opportunity for the next REM or an opportunity for the next uh, sort of boundary pushing artist on a freeform radio station, whether it's like a WFMU, which is a college, which is a community station or on a college station like KDVS, well, where is that opportunity? So I think the argument starts to be then it's not merely about the the dj having the freedom although that's important but it's about it's about this role of of helping to seed fresh culture and helping to to give v- this platform to new voices that free form radio whether it's college or some other type that's a, that's important and that for a lot of reasons we can't always rely upon commercial radio or uh or even public radio to provide that platform as much as they often do really try mm-hmm. in, in some cases is that is that the the sort of the synergy that comes from people being able to follow their muse in terms of putting together and putting out bands, new artists, new music, or new ways of putting it together. That's still still really important, even if it, in a lot of ways it may be uh, not quite what uh, the mainstream uh, listener always is looking for at any given time. Another thing that, that uh, I learned up there on the roof was that there was a pirate radio station here in Portland that um, acted as the de facto freeform community radio station uh, prior to to these new stations that we've been talking about on today's podcast uh, being founded. And I thought that was a really interesting uh, moment. I actually name dropped John Anderson now coming up in the interview with Jeff because of that fact. From back and when we started, um, when we were doing pirate radio, uh, really this whole thing comes from the realization that when I started managing um, that pirate station that we were getting free tickets to all of the clubs in town, the Doug Fur and the Holocene and um, it was before Mississippi Studios, but it, it's like, it, uh, it made sense immediately like, oh, wait, there's nowhere to promote this amazing music that's happening and that, that doesn't even talk about all of the amazing local bands that we have that are touring all over the country and getting airplay um, at different college stations all around the country. So, it's cool to, to, uh, to have a place where that's organic. I don't think it's a goal, but it's... Um, just, it just it's just what happens when you let music geeks play what they want <laughs> that's wonderful because one of the things I've learned from working on Radio Survivor mostly from uh, John Anderson who, mm-hmm. who comes on the show now uh, uh, every every uh, th- few months or so to talk about uh, pirate radio uh, he taught me that pirate radio is not just some outlaw like Alter- like it's not it's not just about breaking the rules it's like it's about a community radio station that should exist 
within the rules. Yeah, but they don't have the opportunity yeah, to exist. Getting on the air no matter what. So they, yeah. they become outlaws because there's a need for this station. And so it's very interesting. You guys were doing that Agreed. here in Portland. Well, and I would add to that that it's the founders of, of stations and pirate stations, stations like this and pirate stations that, um, that have no other options that are put in those positions. Um, I would be the first person to say that that isn't the same thing for the DJ staff <laughs> and being a part of a, a station that's been busted up by the FCC and cease and desist orders. Um, a lot of people are just around because it's illegal <laughs> because it feels cool to be a pirate. Yeah, um, but to, to the founders, I think you're, you're absolutely right is that it's, it's not about being punk rock. It's about why the hell can't we have the station that we know we want, um, why, why isn't that a legal thing to do? And that's what, the, uh, that's what this whole p- low-power FM act did on a national level is open up the possibility for these little stations to happen. So here we are. I mean, it's finally um, something you can get a license for. It's a lot harder than just throwing it up, and you got to do it right. And, uh, but the spirit's exactly the same. The, the teamwork, the community is exactly the same. Maybe slightly geekier because there's permits involved. <laughs> Well, from a historical perspective, uh, one can make a very strong argument that without the explosion of pirate radio in the 1990s, we would not have low power FM today. In many cases, you know, pirate radio was a response to the Telecommunications Act of 1996, which meant the uh, sucking the local out of local radio uh, consolidation, meaning that there were fewer locally owned stations, more nationally owned stations that were no longer serving local audiences in the way they had come to expect it. Um, it also meant that dials were getting full. So the opportunity to put a new station of any kind on the air was getting more difficult and more expensive. Um, that's why people went and did it themselves and, and said, look, there's space on the dial. We'll put up a station. The FCC won't license a low power station. So we to remember, historically speaking, you couldn't get a license for under a thousand watts basically for all intents and purposes, uh, which meant it difficult, made it difficult to put new stations on the air. So yes, that's what sort of sparked a lot of pirate radio. It was both civil disobedience, but also uh, a movement born of necessity. And the FCC's hand was forced, you know, and, and basically, you know, to, and, and then at the same time, people were proposing to the FCC, you know, if you created a class of low power FM stations, communities could get on the air and it would give a, a, a legal licensed alternative to folks who are otherwise feeling like their only opportunity to be on the air is to do so uh, without a license. And there were a number of prominent community like stations in communities like Brattleboro, uh, Vermont and San Francisco and Berkeley who did just that and got actually uh, support of like local city councils who said, right, we can't have, we, we are not able to have a community radio station. You're talking about pirate stations. These that- are pirate stations that would operate basically above ground, but unlicensed and got support of like city councils and other local officials because they realized that we don't have a community station. We can't have a community station. And that put the pressure on the FCC uh, to move and create low power FM. Um, so there is a direct line. And, uh, and it, and, and I think, you know, that, we, we, uh, it's great for us to respect that civil disobedience, which is what a lot of it was. Not merely just like, hey, man, like, you know, F the man and let's put the station on the air. It was, no, we don't have a local voice anymore. And this is an opportunity for a local voice. And so it, it's great to see that spirit and to see then, you know, to have folks get excited around building a low power FM station as a result. Yeah, another one of those folks who is very excited about their new low-power FM station is uh, Jess Poneman, who uh, you heard Jeff referring to. Uh, Jess, Jess, uh, her full name is Jessica. So here's here's that interview with board chair Jess Poneman, and uh, I started off the by explaining to her how uh, Jennifer Waits of Radio Survivor has um, enriched my understanding of college radio through working on this podcast, and um, it. Uh, I was making sure that that Jess became aware of of Jennifer's work, uh, and that's how how that's how this uh, interview with with her uh, begins. Any anything I know about college radio coming sure. out of my mouth is yeah. Is oh, that's really cool. What do you think that is, Jess? Because it's like I mean I, I've talked about it a lot, but like when you when you're actually saying the words, it's sort of dumbfounding. Like Liz from WFMU 
and Jenny at X-Ray and you at Freeform and Todd yeah. in general. It's like, was there something and in the water Eric, at Davis? Eric too. Eric yeah. too. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Um, and there's, yeah, there's another, um, Cater was started by some KDBS people too. There's another, it's another station in Davis. Um, I so don't know. Tell me about what KDVS, how it's organized, because I've learned now that not all college radio is, is the same. So oh. like how how did how did the DJs Yeah, so um it's actually it's a community station. Um you don't have to be a student in order to um DJ and volunteer at KDVS. And I think the community KDVS does a really fantastic job at reaching out to community members as well. Um, so you have that kind of institutional knowledge that you don't always get at community radio stations because there are, or excuse me, at college radio stations because there is a lot of turnover, um, just students coming and then graduating. Uh, so, so KDVS, um, you know, in that way does a great job at kind of um, operating with like a lot of history and knowledge. Um, they're a great station. Um, yeah, I, I mean. Basically, I moved up here, and we felt that um, that there just wasn't a lot of options with community radio stations. Um, when I was here, you know, there was KBOO, which is fantastic, but otherwise there just weren't a lot of different choices. And so um, I think our goal uh, was to create a lot of different options for people in the community and to really raise the awareness and consciousness of of radio in general um so like kind of to take back the airwaves tell me tell me your name i'm jess i'm jess um and this is actually not my date this is i love working in radio um but i am an attorney um during the day usually and um and i do this kind of on the side as as a fun project and what's what is your role at, at freeform portland i am the board president yeah, so um, I'm the board president, and I'm here with everyone else, you know, bolting things and on the roof. And it's really, it's a super egalitarian organization. So there's, you know, as far as what we try to do is if, if you know, you, you want to get involved with radio or in the music community in general, we just try and help people achieve that. So we've got people who came to us who just said, you know, I, I love music and I want to be a booker. And so we try and use our connections to help um, community members like do what they want to do um, and it also benefits the station too so it's very egalitarian it's kind of like you know and you get what you want out of the station we've got really active volunteers and we've got people who just kind of you know want to show up to the broadcasting classes and do their shows <laughs> we're off half a degree not even that yeah half a degree so what we're going to hear now is some of the sounds from when the freeform portland volunteers uh, literally uh, stood the tower for their new low power fm station upright and using just muscle power uh, placed it up on top of the stand uh, up there on the roof in North Portland. And so what you're hearing, or what, what I'm seeing, because actually I made a video simultaneous to this sound, um, is Dave Fulton standing on a short ladder, and this uh, 30-foot tower of metal with the antennas now appropriately uh, bolted on and uh, an important cable that is dangling down. You know, the vital cable that must not be bent, as Dave said. And uh, it needs to be lifted about uh, two feet uh, up off the roof to stand uh, on top of the platform. Actually, maybe it's about three feet. So the volunteers erect a impromptu uh, cinder block staircase so they can walk this tower up. Uh, up to the top of its base where it can be bolted on uh, securely. And right when they're about to start this work in the afternoon uh, in March of uh, 2016, the wind started to pick up. It was a beautiful day up until that moment. The weather was very cooperative. And then right then, we really did. You can hear it in the sound. The wind starts to blow. It was touch and go. It was extremely exciting. Because really, um, the only thing keeping this thing from falling over was um, 
was the love of community radio. There was no uh, there was no uh, real gear there the way that um, Dave was saying that anything larger they would have used uh, an actual crane to get it done. But uh, they did get it done, and it was really remarkable to be a part of, of this volunteer effort because um, that's what that's what it was. And uh, you know, I think we're gonna have a link uh, to a YouTube clip of this footage, and uh, that'll be up at the Radio Survivor show notes for this for this episode. And um, I just want to thank everyone from the Freeform Portland community for allowing me to be there. Okay, now, smart people, yes, the bricks, and put them back in before... I'm really glad I got to see it. It was really quite something. So what do you think? I am so excited right now. Oh, my God. There's no going back, Jess. I know. I'm so excited. (laughs) (laughs) It's really happening. I'm just really proud of everyone. Like, we've done a great job. No. Oh, you did? Good. We should get a little freeform flag. (laughs) Eric, I'm really glad you brought me this tape, brought us this tape to share, uh, because it's a special moment, right? And it's happening now all over the country, right now. Like literally right now, because there are thousands of new low power FM stations going on together, have received their construction permits. There are various stages of getting things together and then having that great moment when the actual antenna goes up and can be seen, you know, from the ground and, and, and then begins radiating. It's a wonderful moment, but it's a wonderful moment because we think about it. It's pretty rare that there's two dozen people on a roof somewhere doing this and and it's most holding likely, hands most likely to happen with community radio more so than just about any other type of radio and you know i understand you know that it can be easy to be to to, to think this is a little kumbaya right or to be a little cynical about it or to think well yeah but is anybody listening and the key is yes it is about listeners this really is about listeners. It's providing alternatives. It's providing something a little more rooted. And no, by its very nature, it's not necessarily always professional. And professional not only in the fact that people aren't paid generally for their time, but you know, in, 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 in common usage, professional means a certain type of polish. Right. Uh, the connotation is that, uh, that it's, been, it's been buffed up. And ready for presentation. And, and freeform radio often is a little rough. I have a friend who um, calls it turd polishing. <laughs> right, exactly. You know, it, it, by its very definition, will be a little rough. But at the same time, really, I think if if there's something that I think we've all learned in the last twenty years with the rise of the internet and a certain democratization of communication, is that polish isn't always what people want. It's not always what we want to produce, right? Otherwise, that's why we have YouTube stars, people who, who really got their start talking into webcams. Um, you know, it's why we have the rise, you know, why we had the rise even of sort of punk rock and indie rock in the 80s and, and 70s and 90s, right? And, and polish and professionalism isn't always what it's cracked up to be. And that's not me saying – I'm not trying to take a position that's anti-professional. I'm not trying to take a position necessarily where I'm saying, well, screw anything that, that's well-produced. Or popular. Or popular, yeah. right? And, or, you know, and, and you know, public radio often now provides a lot of voice to, to what would have been considered independent and underground artists 20 years ago now are heard on – on NPR programs or are heard on NPR podcasts. Um, and and in that growth in part is, I think, because of all these people who got their start in community and college radio coming into public radio um, and, and sort of this sort of generational growth of all of this. That's my long-winded way of saying and saying that like, like why this is so important, why it's such an important moment that we're trying to document. I'm so glad you went because it's I, – I, I fear it won't get documented because it's so – sporadic 
and it's so distributed. It's so hyper local. And, and we do uh, at Radio Survivor often on our low power FM watch uh, features every Thursday. We often will uh, put a pointer to some local articles because it'll turn up in local newspapers. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Because it is real news when a, when a new uh, community radio station goes on the air. But it's very uh, isolated. It's situational. And it's hard to take that step back, that thousand foot step back or million foot step back and realize, my gosh, this is happening everywhere. Dozens of people putting these stations on yeah, the air. Speaking of which, if you are aware of a new station in your area or somewhere outside of your area, if you have friends, if you have Facebook friends that are that are uh, crowing about their new low-power FM station, please drop us a line. Tell us that this station exists, that people like it, that you've heard about it, or that you know that it's that something is happening. We'd love to hear from you. You can you can contact us at the email at podcast at radiosurvivor.com. We'd love to have some You Are There audio. Just take your smartphone, turn on the uh, voice recorder app, and let it rip. Ask a few questions and share that with us. Let's hear the voices of people putting on community radio stations, new low-power FM stations around the country. We'd love to have more of that. We, we'd love to be able to travel, but right now we simply <laughs> just don't have the cash to, to hop in a van and, and, and hit all these community radio stations. So we have to rely on uh, you, the listener, to be our correspondent if you're so willing or if you can do so. We'd love, we'd love to hear it. But it, and I think the the thing that 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 often is hard to convey because people t- you know you ask people about their experiences very personally Eric and I love that that approach um, is that it also is hard to convey the listener experience right right well I haven't heard from them yet we right we haven't heard from them yet and and the reason why is because right you listen I mean it's sort of like podcast listening it's 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 very often a, a, a solitary or 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 it's just a few of you in a car right. Um, and in that experience, and people do share it, of course, but but it often is, is difficult to capture, and especially difficult to capture, um, you know, as a journalist or, or or as a podcaster, as we are. Um, but it is really the whole point of this is uh, is for the listener, and the fact that you know, I think she just makes the comment in passing about you know uh, helping people become bookers or and get connected up with like local bands and get connected up with local clubs well all of that wouldn't happen if it weren't completely uh, intrinsic to this that there are listeners there are people listening to the show who want tickets <laughs> to go see a band at a club or a venue a band that they probably only heard about or heard ever on that community station, on that freeform station, that there is this circle, right, that is going on. And uniquely at a place like Freeform Portland, KBOO here in Portland, KDVS in Davis, um, name those, you know, dozens and dozens of stations. Uniquely that listener can get excited about that band and about the station, and then also have the opportunity now to become a DJ or to become a music director, to work with, you know, in booking, to work in these other areas that they might not otherwise have. And they might end up working for All Songs Considered. They might work end up working on This American Life or, or some other program in public radio. This is the path. Uh, you know, and 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 for some folks, community radio is where it's at. That's where they stay. That's where they their heart is. So for some folks, college radio is where it's at. And when that needs to exist, that needs to exist. I think. And then other folks get so bitten that they can't help but move fo- move on. Not even necessarily forward, but move on and explore other avenues, and and make it their life's career. And uh, I think it becomes richer down the line. It becomes richer at public radio. It becomes richer in co- college radio and community radio and commercial radio when these opportunities exist. So that's why I'm really, really thrilled that you that you brought us this sort of raw audio. I want to hear more. I, I want to hear more. It was a real pleasure, and I'm I'm very thankful that that because I work on the Radio Survivor podcast, I uh, I got myself over there to watch what was happening happen because uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't have been there I have not been in, I should say at the end of the show that that because of my excitement about um, watching Freeform Portland uh, going up uh, I've I've put my I've thrown my hat in or or uh, 
the towel. What's the right metaphor? I've vol- I'm, I've been volunteering. Put your head in the ring. Yeah, yeah. So I, so I've applied to to be a volunteer DJ at Freeform Portland, and uh, and I look forward to to working with them. I I mean, it's funny. Uh, now that I've gone down the road of disclosure, I've volunteered at every single radio station that, that there is in Portland since I've moved here. No, exactly. Not commercial community style. Yeah. And uh, so it's no surprise that now that Freeform is getting up uh, and on the air, uh, I want to get involved with them too because I can't help myself. Oh, I know. I, if I only had many more hours in the day. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think I might just be pushing my uh, my young, almost teenage son into the world. <laughs> and so I can live vicariously through his community radio uh, experience and yeah, get my work done. Well, thank you, Eric. And, and thank you, listener, for, for listening to us and tuning in and staying with us on this journey. We could use your help. Uh, we are running a campaign, a Patreon campaign, to help fund our activities here. We'd love to turn this into a radio show. How awesome would it be for someone on a new low-power FM to tune in and hear this on our uh, show here, another low-power FM station going on in the air? Yeah, and having this and, and, get, and seeing the connection is like, oh my gosh, what's happening here in my town is happening in another town. And there's all these opportunities, and it's a real movement. We'd love to share this, and we could really use your help to do that. Yeah, the aspiration is that there is um, there is something happening on a national level, and it is difficult to say if anyone is looking as closely at uh, at that at those trends nationally as Radio Survivor is attempting to look at them. We want to focus on this. Uh, we want to do more. And we want to be able to also to broadcast to more people. And so that's that's why this campaign exists, uh, and that's why we want to turn it into a radio show. Yeah, so we could use your help, and the, and the best way you can help is to, is to pledge to donate a little bit of money every single month. It gives sustaining income, allows us to predict, and allows us to make some, some smart choices about how we'll go about doing this. Uh, we're still a little way away from the goal we need to make in order to turn this into a full-fledged radio show, but your contribution will help. Go to radiosurvivor.com slash support or you can go direct to patreon.com slash radiosurvivor uh, that's radiosurvivor.com slash support or patreon.com slash radiosurvivor of course if you have any comments about the show or you, you want to tell us about a great station going on you want to give us some tape or you have any, any, uh, anything you want to say we'd love to share it send it to us podcast at radiosurvivor right another way you can help us out oh radiosurvivor.com sorry about that another way you can help us out if you are a fan of the show is uh, go ahead and take Go out on a limb, take a risk, and tell someone else that you think would be a fan of the show. Tell them about the program, uh, because we would love for 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 our for all of our friends to tell their friends about about the work that we're doing. Yeah, we'd love for you to do that. We'd really appreciate it. Well, thanks again, Eric. Thank you, Paul. <laughs>